All right, well, thank you, David, for leading us in worship. Tonight we're going to be looking at Genesis chapters 27 and 28. Genesis chapter 27, beginning. I titled this uh, based off of both chapters. So chapter 27, Isaac's blessing, and chapter 28, God's promise. So we're going to look at Isaac's blessing, beginning here in chapter 27. Key verse, this one actually verses, it's the blessing that Isaac gave his son, Jacob, in verses 27 through 29, where he said, surely, well, the blessing actually begins in verse 28, I guess. Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. Let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and bless. blessed be those who bless you. So we get the blessing of Isaac given to Jacob in this study tonight, but we'll discover that it came by way of great deceit, and I believe trying to lend God a hand. In Genesis 27, we find that Isaac's wife, Rebekah, and her son, her favorite son, Jacob, tried to lend God a hand to acquire the blessing for Jacob that rightfully belonged to his older brother, Esau. Well, this is how it plays out. We begin in verses 1 through 4. It tells us, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered him, I am here. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make some savory food, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. So it was customary for the eldest son to receive a blessing from his father. Uh, it included the double portion of his father's inheritance. And so it was a big deal. And in preparation for this event, Isaac gave Esau instructions, telling him to go out and do what Esau did best. He was a hunter. He said, go get some of that wild game cook up a savory stew, you know, the one I like, the one I really enjoy that you make for me, prepare a meal, and afterwards I will bless you. And yet we find in Scripture that God had already foretold of Jacob and Esau when Rebekah in her pregnancy, felt the struggle in her womb and asked the Lord what was going on. God said in Genesis 25, 23, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. 
And although Isaac thought that he would soon die, he actually would live another 43 years. God, this really gave God, think about this, God had 43 years to work out the details of Jacob receiving the blessing over Esau. And yet it seemed that Isaac tried to get in a hurry on this thing. And Rebekah and Jacob thought that they needed to lend God a hand, that God wasn't going to get it done. So they began scheming. And here we find the mother's scheme in verses 5 through 10. It tells us, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went into the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make a savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I commanded you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of goats. And I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves, that you may take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. So it's apparent that Jacob got his craftiness from his mom, Rebecca, who was actually eavesdropping on Isaac and Esau's conversation. She probably knew that Isaac had called Esau, and she thought, uh-oh, something's up. I better get in and hear what's going on. And you know they were Bedouins. They dwelt in tents, and probably not too hard to hear conversation through tent walls. In the next few chapters, we'll learn that their craftiness and deceit was actually a family trait that Rebekah's brother Laban also had. He was a very cunning man. And Jacob would learn this in a 20-year period. In Genesis 31, 41 and 42, Jacob would say of his uncle Laban, who was also at this time his father-in-law, I have been in your house for 20 years. I have served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. So deceitfulness, scheming, as we'll see, was with Rebekah, Laban, and then with Jacob as well. But Jacob at first was reluctant. He knew that there was a big difference between Esau, his brother, and himself. He said in verse 11, and we're going to read 11 through 17. Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me and shall seem to be a deceiver to him and shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, here goes the scheming again, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go and get them for me, talking about getting the two kid goats. And when he had got them, he brought them to his mother, and his mother made a savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her eldest son, Esau, 
which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids, kids of the goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. And she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of Jacob. Now, at first, Jacob questioning mom, questioning her deceitful counsel, actually saying that you desire for me to get my dad's blessing, but you might actually cause his curse to come upon me. And she said, no, 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 just do what I say. We'll work it out. Isaiah 31, it gives this warning. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. What Rebecca and Jacob were planning here was wrong. Now, God would work through the wrong and make it good. In a sense, Jacob's son, Joseph, would say to his brothers at one point, what you meant for evil, God turned to good in Genesis chapter 50. Well, this was an evil thing that they were doing. They were stealing the birthright and the blessing of Esau. And yet God would ultimately turn this to good. Now, it's very clear that Jacob and Esau were fraternal twins, uh, very different from one another. Esau was hairy all over. Jacob said, I'm smooth skinned. Esau had red hair, we can assume. His name meant red. We can assume that Jacob did not. Esau was a hunter. Jacob liked to dwell in the tents. And we find that their voices also will see very different. Isaac will question this. And although there were many differences between Jacob and Esau, Rebekah knew how to manipulate between the two brothers and to cook the savory stew to deceive the failing eyes and the taste buds of her husband. Now, some family traits, they should just be done away with. And it will take years, some 20 plus years for Jacob to learn this. Thankfully, in Jesus Christ, we are new creations, as the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And Jacob was learning from his mom to be a deceiver, to be a supplanter. In fact, to be a heel catcher, which is what his name meant. But God did not desire that for Jacob. And so this would be something that Jacob would have to learn to undo. How not to deceive at some point in his life. How not to deceive any longer, but how to instead trust in God. And we'll read about that and how the transformation of Jacob's life, how he went from being heel catcher Jacob to Israel, man governed by God. But it'll be a few chapters before we get through the whole story. So Jacob shows up. He's got the savory stew. In verses 18 through 25, it tells us that he went to his father and he said, My father, and Isaac said, Here am I. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said, I am Esau, your firstborn. 
I've done just what you told me. Please arise, sit in need of my game, that you may, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. I find that phrasing interesting. The Lord, your God. He didn't say the Lord, our God. So a little disconnect at this point. Jacob was a man who was governed by his flesh, and he was not governed by God. And the God of Israel had not yet become his God. So Isaac said to Jacob, verse 21, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands, the hands are of Esau. Now, he had this goatskin seat cover on him on his arms and around his neck and you just imagine how hairy of a man Esau was they named him Harry at his birth and so even as a young child there was distinction between the two verse 24 and he said are you really my son Esau and he said I am verse 25 he said, bring, bring it near to me that I may eat my son's game, that I may, my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him. He ate and he brought him wine and he drank. So the Bible tells us that his eyes were dim. Isaac could no longer see, but he still had his wits. Therefore, he questioned the speed. First, first off, he said, how'd you do this so quick? You just took off hunting. And you already brought the Sioux back. Sadly, Jacob here used the name of God to deceive his father. Isaac also still had the sense of touch. He had the sense of hearing. And it was Isaac's sense of hearing that caused him to use his sense of touch to confirm whether this was Esau or not. And once again, because of those goatskin arm coverings he was able to deceive his father but Isaac still wasn't convinced Isaac questioned him right out saying are you really my son Esau and then he used in verse 27 we haven't read that yet but he will use his sense of smell when Jacob got close to him he grabbed him and it's like, oh, yeah, you smell like the outdoors. You're Esau. Though Jacob listened to his mother, he invoked, though, the name of God, breaking what would become the third commandment when he said that, well, it was your Lord God that allowed me to get the game so quickly. That third commandment in Exodus 27, I know it hadn't been written yet, but you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Jacob's name meant heel catcher because at his birth, when he came out of his mother's womb, his hand was hanging, hanging on to the heel of his brother Esau. But also that name Jacob can mean supplanter or deceitful, both which he became very skilled at Genesis 27:36 Esau would say of Jacob 
Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. So the father's blessing, verses 26 through 29. Then his son Isaac said to him, Come near to me and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his clothing. And he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you, the nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. Let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Even though Isaac's senses were on high alert, he knew if he would just take in a little more time, he knew something was off. It was just the voice of Jacob. I guess he couldn't really fake that. Oh, yeah, Dad, it's really me. I'm Esau. He couldn't. You know, I can't do a deep voice. That's how my voice is arranged. But I just got this thought that Esau had this, you know, the whole persona of a man of the field, strength, hairy, deep voice, um, strong. And Isaac's senses were on high alert. He knew something wasn't right, but Rebekah and Jacob's deception worked. Thus Isaac sought for the Lord to bless the work of Jacob's hands with the fruit of the earth, to have peoples and nations to bow down before him, that even his brother would bow before him as his master. Then in the last words of the blessing, Isaac ties his son blessing to the promise of Abraham there in Genesis 12:3, where it says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, amazingly, God would work in Jacob's life in fulfillment of his covenant of Abraham. But how that blessing came about was through deception. It's pretty amazing that God does such a work in so many people's lives where they begin their journey in this life in such contradiction to the word of faith and faith in Jesus Christ. But for some, those who are radically saved by Jesus Christ, he can take their unfruitful deeds of the past and turn them to glory for the work of the ministry. In Galatians 3, 8 and 9, it tells us, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. And so in the blessing itself, we tie it to that Abrahamic blessing that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. And Jacob, in the next chapter, will learn he would have to live up to the blessing of God before it would actually become his. Now, this was his father's desire for him, thinking it was Esau. 
but still it was his father's desire for him. And as parents, we can have those desires for our children to train up our children in the way that they should go, that when they are old, they shall not depart from it. But in actuality, all we can do is to train up our children, pray to the Lord, and in hope, believe that one day, faith will be birthed into our children, our grandchildren. So in verses 30 through 40, we find Esau now discovering what his brother Jacob had done. And Esau will actually receive a lesser blessing. Reading through verses 30 through 40. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, that Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also made savory food, brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled. I find that is a pretty strong statement. In fact, they even strengthen it by saying, then Isaac trembled exceedingly. Because he knew, remember I said his senses were firing up. He may have been uh, near blind or all the way blind at this point in his life, but all of his other senses were on high alert and he knew that something was off. And yet he allowed himself to be deceived by Rebekah and Jacob. Verse 33, then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate all of it before you came. And I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. Here's the thing. He couldn't take the blessing back once given. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me also, my father. And he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Verse 36, Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made you, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. Nothing like hearing a manly man cry. And that's what was taking place here. Verse 39, then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you have become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So soon after, Esau 
brought the savory stew and everything was uncovered. He found out that his brother, who had previously stolen his birthright now, had taken his blessing as well. And he cried for his father to bless him. Twice, did you see how it was read? Where Esau said in verse 34 and then again in verse 38, My father, bless me, me also. Oh, my father, bless me, me also. Don't you have any blessing for me? And through Esau's persistence, Isaac gave him a lesser blessing, which ultimately foretold of his breaking free from the yoke of his brethren. Esau would eventually be known as Edom and the Edomites. And uh, there would be conflict between Israel and the Edomites in the future. And perhaps some of that conflict came because of this stolen blessing. And yet when it's recorded of Jacob and of Isaac and of Esau in Hebrews in the chapter of faith, in Hebrews 11:20, it said, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. It kind of cleaned it all up. You get no more of the backstory there in Hebrews 11:20. All it tells us is that Isaac blessed his two sons. But here is some of that backstory. In verses 41 through 46, it tells us, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which, which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of, my, of mourning for my father are at hand. Well, actually, they were 43 years away, but they all thought he was going to kick off pretty quick. Then he said, after his dad would die, he said, Then I will kill my brother. Verse 42, in the words of Esau her older son were told to Rebekah, and she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days. It turned out to be 20 years. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Verse 45 and 46, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. I doubt if Esau ever forgot that. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of both in one day? So Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are of the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So Esau's hatred caused Rebekah to fear for her son's life. She sent him away to her brother Laban that Jacob might find a bride. This is part of God's plan, that he might find a bride for himself from their own people. And it's just like, Adam did for Isaac, Isaac, um, Adam, Abraham did for Isaac. Abraham sent his head servants to what would be Laban to take Rebekah 
Laban's sister to be the wife of Isaac. And now Jacob goes to Laban and would marry ultimately four women while he was there, but two of the daughters of Laban. And all the blessing, although the blessing was passed to Jacob, Rebekah and Jacob, they paid a very high price for their deception. And here's the thing. When we set out to deceive, it will cost. And you may think you get away with it for a while, but just listen what happened to this mother and son that loved one another dearly. Esau had hated his brother, wanting to kill him. And Rebecca thought that Esau's hatred of Jacob would subside over time. And ultimately it appears that it did somewhat. Perhaps that old idiom that says time heals all wounds would come into play here. But after Jacob deceitfully stole his brother's birthright and then his blessing, these two brothers would be separated for 20 years years. Isaac also looked down on his son Jacob. For Isaac said in verse 35, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Esau hated his brother, wanted to kill him, as we learn in verse 41, where he said, after dad's gone, I'm just going to kill my brother. And then Rebecca and Jacob, when we look at this account through its entirety, they would never see one another again because Rebecca would die before Jacob would ever make it back home. They didn't have FaceTime, couldn't email, couldn't text one another. Maybe there was a letter that showed up every year or two. I mean, everything had to be carried by caravan. Oh, you're going over toward uh, Cana? Yeah, could you send a message? And maybe those messages were sent and never arrived. And yet I I can't get this out of my mind because God from the get-go, before the two boys were born, told Rebekah, the older shall serve the younger. Genesis 25, 23. The older shall serve the younger. So Jacob was going to be in that higher place of authority at some point. Instead of letting God resolved the issue. Their interference caused them to never see one another again. It's always better if we let God work out the plans for our lives. It's not that we are not to be productive and strive to conduct ourselves in such a way that will honor God. But ultimately, when we try to lend God a hand, when we try to supersede his plan for our lives, we, as long as others, as well as others, will, will, they'll get hurt. This always tends to happen when we try to lend God a hand. Let's get into chapter 28. So Jacob's Ladder. Beautiful passage of scripture, a little shorter. And we had 46 verses in this last chapter and this chapter, 22 verses. So we should be in good shape here. 
the key verse that I put in here, I titled it Jacob's Ladder, and we could have used the verse that talked about this dream of this ladder that went to heaven from earth and angels descending and ascending on the ladder. But actually the blessing that God promised Jacob in verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. See, God was going to work out his plan in Jacob's life, and he said, I'm going to be with you through the process. So a second blessing we discovered that Esau, actually Isaac, I meant to say, we discovered that Isaac gives Jacob a second blessing before he sent him away. In verses 1 through 5 of chapter 28, it says, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Pandan Aram and the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, Take for yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And here's the blessing. May God Almighty bless you, make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So notice, although Isaac had blessed his son, I said this in the last chapter, that this was Isaac's desire for his son, that God would make him fruitful in the land, that the blessing of Abraham, he even says it here in this additional blessing where he said, that the blessing of Abraham would be given to you and to your descendants. Now, it was something that Jacob would have to personally receive from God. God would be the one to pass this blessing on ultimately to Jacob. And that will happen. We get a hint of it in this chapter, but it will actually happen 20 years later as he leaves Uh, Laban, his father-in-law. But Isaac is setting him on a good path. This is the desire that you would receive the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants, that you would inherit this land that God gave to Abraham, that you would become an assembly of people, a great host of people. And unknowingly, Jacob begins this 20-plus year journey where he will experience both hardships and blessings. Thankfully, during this time, he will make the God of his grandfather Abraham and his father father Isaac, Jacob, would learn that it was his God as well. Although his journey began because of deceit, a deceit that all centered around the stealing of his brother's blessing and his birthright. Rebecca came to Isaac with this legitimate concern. She did not want Jacob to take a wife from the daughters of the land that they now dwelt in. It's something that Esau had already done. He already had two wives, and we'll 
learn about Esau later on. He already had two wives, and he would take a third wife trying to please his parents because they did not want Jacob to be unequally yoked with the people of the land. They sent him back to Uncle Laban's house that he could take a daughter for himself, a wife for himself from Laban's daughters. Again, Paul would write a very familiar passage to us in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? So I know that we look at that verse, 2 Corinthians 6.14. We often use it for marriage, and I'm referring to it here uh, with an issue of marriage because they didn't want Jacob to take a wife from the unbelieving daughters of the land that they lived in. And so they sent them back to family, that they'd be that family heritage involved there. But this verse speaks more to me because when I was a young man in my mid-20s, I was considering a business opportunity with a non-believer until a Christian brother came to me and said, Hey, look, when it says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, it's not just talking about marriage. And his counsel probably prevented me from making a major mistake. Although the guy um, that this business was being offered to us, he was a good worker. He's a builder here in the Antioch area. So he was very successful, but he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. So before Isaac sent Jacob away, he gave him a second blessing, connecting that blessing, that desire. He said, and I love the way it's worded here, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful that you may be an assembly of people and give you the blessing of Abraham. May God give you the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham was something that was not Isaac's to give. He didn't receive that blessing from his father, but Isaac received the blessing from God. God gave it to Abraham. God gave it to Isaac. And Isaac was asking that God would give it to Jacob as well. And God would do that for Jacob. Second, we find that that which had been passed on, that blessing, would cause Jacob ultimately and his descendants to inherit the promised land. We go back to the chapter of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, verses 9 and 10. And talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it says, By faith Abraham dwelt in the land of promise as a foreigner, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God's. Isaac knew that this was God's work, and it was God who would have to pass it on to his son, although he desired his son to receive the blessings of God. It was ultimately up to God, and God would fulfill that promise to Abraham. As parents, we must do our best to raise our children to know the things of God, but even then we must leave them in God's hands. 
that they may learn to walk in his ways. In Proverbs 22.6, we know it, I've already referenced it, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's our duty as parents. And maybe even if we're not parents, we can have those that we can invest in, bring up the next generation, invest in them, help raise up that next generation of Christ followers. But here we have Esau, a misguided son, I said we get back to him. Verses 6 through 9, it says, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, sent him away to Padan Aram to take for himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, something that Esau had already done, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram, also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please their, his father, Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalalath, Mahalalath, what a beautiful name, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, <laughs> to be his wife in addition to his wives that he had. So he took a third wife. But it's family now. It's the Ishmael, Abraham's work of his flesh. This fits perfect for Esau. He's all been about the flesh. He sold his uh, birthright for a pot of stew. I'm starving. Can I have that stew? It's like, sure, you can have it if you give me your birthright. What do I need a birthright for? It's always been about the flesh. And so... He took a wife from the work of Abraham's flesh, that is Ishmael. Esau continues to present himself as a man of the flesh and not concerned with spiritual things. Yes, he wanted to please his parents, but he had already sold his birthright to Jacob for a pot of stew. And now he marries a daughter who came from Abraham's own work of the flesh. And he tried to help God when he tried to help God when Abraham tried to help God through fathering a son through Sarah's handmaid, Hagar. Another idiom that falls into this. This is actually probably three or four wrongs, but the idiom, two wrongs don't make a right. For Esau, he'd already married two wives from the land of Canaan, and now he marries a third wife, but not from Rebekah's homeland, but he went to what was Abraham's work of the flesh, a, a granddaughter, a daughter of Ishmael. Proverbs 14, 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Well, back to Jacob. We have this beautiful account of Jacob's ladder. Verses 10 through 15, it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba, and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place, and he stayed there all night. Because the sun had set, he took one of the stones of that place. You know, they didn't have my pillow back then, so you use what you got. Took one of the stones of that place and put it on 
put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. How'd you sleep last night, dear? I don't know. My pillow's like rock hard. I don't get it. Couldn't even fluff it. I think I broke my hand while I tried. All right, I'll let it go. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And he said, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. In you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Now he had received two blessings from his father Isaac, but now it's God who is passing on the Abraham blessing to Jacob. He's saying, I'm going to be with you. And Jacob didn't know that he was about to set forth on a 20-year journey. But God said, I will be with you. And he promised to bring him back to this land. At this point, I don't think Jacob was very spiritually minded. But something happens at the beginning of the journey that sparked the flame of his spirit toward God. It was at night while he was sleeping that he saw in this dream, this ladder, which we know as Jacob's ladder. He saw this ladder that went from earth to heaven and the angels ascending and descending upon it. And the Lord speaking to him, promising him that wherever he went, he would bring him back to the land, that he would bless him, passing on the blessing of Abraham to Jacob. Psalm 105, 9 through 12, it says, And the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, I will give you the land of Canaan as the allotment for your inheritance when they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. So Jacob wakes up. He's aware that something spiritual happened while he slept at night. And God does that sometimes. He he can speak to us in our dreams. He can speak to us while we read his word. He can speak to us through others. It's our duty to be sensitive to the spirit of God that we hear his voice when he speaks. So Jacob awoke from his sleep, verses 16 and 17, and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now I believe that Jacob was putting a little more into this dream than maybe the actual location itself. But he knew that God had done a very special thing for him. In reality, God is in every place. David would later write a descendant of Jacob. In Psalm 139, 7 through 10, David would write, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I 
Make my bed in hell. Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So Jacob rose up early in verses 18 through 22, made a vow to God saying, he took a stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar not a pillow. Now it's a pillar. The pillow became a pillar. I'm getting stuck on this stone. He poured oil on top of it. He called the name of this place Bethel. And the name of that city had been Luz previously. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God. See, God had already promised the blessing to Jacob, but Jacob is kind of saying, let's see how this pans out first. If God does these things he had promised me, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I shall surely give a tenth to you. A little tithe talking about giving back to the Lord. So he noted this place. He called it Bethel. It means house of God. And he vowed that if God would keep him during his journey, provide for him, bring him back to his father's house, to the land that had been pledged to them, that he would um, worship God and that he would give a tenth of all that he had to the Lord. So many years later, 20 years later, it tells us in Genesis 35, 6 and 7, so Jacob came to Luz, that is to Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there, and he called the name El Bethel, the house of God, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. 20 years later, we're reading in Genesis 35, Jacob fulfilled the pledge that he made to God on that day. So Jacob's ladder. In the New Testament, we discover the truth behind the ladder itself. Jesus said in John 1:51, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That access to heaven is not a physical ladder that's set up from earth to heaven. The access to heaven is the Son of God himself. And it's my hope that you have the realization of our personal God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here on Wednesday night, we have been going over the ABCs of salvation. I'd like to close out this message with this. The A, standing for admit. Admit to God that you are a sinner and ask for forgiveness. As Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First step of our salvation is to admit, admit to God that you are a sinner. The B is for believe. Believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross, his death, 
his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father, receive that gift of salvation, as it says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have to believe in the work that Jesus Christ did through the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And we have to confess. The C is for confessing our faith, confessing it to God, confessing it to others. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10:13. whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For those who may be listening on the radio right now, maybe you're watching through social media if you have questions regarding faith, please email us at cclv at comcast.net, cclv at comcast.net. We'd love to commune with you, um, correspond with you, and help you in those faith questions. Of course, you're, if you're here, I'm here for you uh, to speak with tonight. This coming Sunday at 10 a.m., Back in the book of Revelation, once again, Revelation chapter 13. I was looking over old notes. Last time I went through the book of Revelation, I broke down chapter 13 into two parts. But I'm going to attempt to do it in one. We'll see how it goes. The title is based off of teaching through the whole thing. The title for this coming Sunday, The Dragon, the Beast, and the False Prophet. So I like the title a lot. I just need to work it out that it fits into one message. Look forward to being with you either this coming Sunday here at the church through Facebook Live or through WLGS Radio. If you'd like to support our ministry, please go to our website at cclv.org and you can find out information about supporting our ministry, cclv.org. You can also submit prayer requests there on the website. We received a couple of those through the website already this week. And both of them were anonymous, meaning that we um, can't correspond back to the individual, but um, we can pray. And, and we do honor those requests and lift them up to the Lord. So this past Sunday, it was an interesting Sunday. I had been sick for a couple of weeks and it was my first Sunday back for a couple of weeks. And uh, for a lot of people, uh, they were all back at church on Sunday, but there were also several who had visited this past Sunday here at our church. And I think it had a lot to do with not so much 9-11 on Saturday, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I think it had a lot to do with the president's speech on Thursday. This is my personal observation that this nation is actually, and we see it happening, being divided today. And there are those who haven't been in church in a while that they showed up. That happened 20 years ago on 9-11, that following Sunday, people showed up to church because of just the unsurety. And I think we're at a place of unsurety in our nation once again. And here at the church, we saw probably one of the 
better attended services of the year. And it's amazing to me. But keep it in prayer. I also learned on Sunday from two different people of all the stuff that's going on in our nation, two different people, two different men telling me this, that households are being divided. And that's hard to hear, but it's also what Jesus said. Brother will come against brother, mother and father against their children. We find it happening. It's very disheartening. But we are people of faith. And we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you in these troubling days that we wouldn't flee from the Lord, but we would draw closer to him. Because God knows the right path for each of our lives. Father, thank you so much for your work in our lives. I pray, Father, your blessing upon us. And uh, Lord, just hearing this past Sunday, uh, two different testimonies, one in person, one through a message that I received through social media of families being divided. Lord, that's difficult to hear. But it instantly reminded me of the saying of Jesus talking about bringing division, and we find it happening in our country right now. I pray, Father, that you would help people of faith to stand strong in their faith, to be upright in their faith, that those who do not know you may look to those who are of faith and find and see the light of Jesus Christ, that they too might be saved. It's our hope, our desire, Lord that you'd watch over us in these last days. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you, keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.